Hey guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hey guys, this is Chloe, and I have got a huge announcement for you. I cannot wait. Coming up this week, we are releasing the trailer for season two of the Made for This podcast, and we cannot wait to have these conversations with you. We are going to be talking about emotions. It's something we all deal with, sometimes on a minute-by-minute basis. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you leave a review, a rating, so that as soon as that trailer hits this week, you have it on your phone to listen to or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. So we love being on this journey with you guys. It is so fun to meet you in person and to hear that this podcast is helping you. So thank you so much for joining us. And now here's Jenny and Emily Freeman to talk about how to make decisions. You guys are going to love my guest and my friend, Emily Freeman. She and I have been friends and co-laborers for a long time and don't get to talk enough. So this is a special treat for me just to catch up with you, Emily, and for you to get to share some things that are really important to all of our lives and I know you have a passion for. In fact, your podcast is actually called The Next Right Thing, as well as a book that came out recently And so we want to talk about making decisions because this affects really not just all of our lives, but it affects our days and our decisions seem to hit us, not just big decisions a few times a year, but daily decisions. And so I'm excited for you to get to share this content. I told you that people that I love dearly have been so blessed by this book and have talked my ear off about it. So I'm excited for all of you to get to hear from Emily today. I'm so glad, Jenny. It's so great to be here. And let me just say, don't you sometimes wish we could graduate from decision-making or like retire from it? Like, I'm done. I did it. It's over. Never. It never will be over. It never is over. And I've actually seen this subject paralyze some of my friends that really struggle with it. I mean, all of their lives. Like this really can move from just a nuisance to bondage. And so I'm really passionate about this because I think it can bring freedom to have some really intentional, simple steps to move decision-making from something that's chaotic and stressful to something that feels manageable. So let's talk about it. Let's I I would love to hear kind of some basic steps and principles that you have for us as we face different decisions. Absolutely. Well, I think you've hit it so close there, Jenny, because we are so afraid sometimes of not just of making decisions, but we're afraid of making the wrong decision. And that can lead, like you said, to decision fatigue, decision paralysis. And so if you feel stuck in a place of you're unable to move forward because you're just not sure if you're going to make the right decision, you're not sure what to do next, there are some really simple things that you can do to clear the way. And the first thing that I recommend is to start again. And that's a really different concept than starting over. When we think of starting over, it feels like we have to go all the way back to the beginning because we did it wrong the first time. So we have to start all over again. But instead, the the idea of starting again really meets you right where you are. And you can just say, okay, right now is new. And I'm going to, I'm going to begin this decision-making process from right now. I'm going to start again. And within that, I'll say, if that's the first step, the Maybe I'll give you like a 1A to that step, which is embracing 
your beginner status. And what I mean by that is I think so many times we, I mean, we are a people who love new beginnings. It's like start of school, freshly sharpened pencils, Easter. We're going to, I mean, this is like a new beginning. But if you tell me that I have to be a beginner, no, thank you. But the truth is when it comes to starting again, uh, we all have to embrace our status as a beginner in some way all the time. Like if you start a new job or if you're a new stepmom or just a new mom with a little tiny baby, the truth is you've never been here before. No matter how old you are, I think we can all find spaces in our lives where we have to be a beginner and that's not a bad place to be. But if we deny that, then it can be really difficult to move forward. So I think starting again is the first thing. And then a second step I think that's really important that we often overlook is naming the narrative. And what I mean by that is I think so many times when it comes to decision making, we're afraid to move forward, like I said, because we're afraid we're going to make the wrong choice. And for those of us who who are Christians, especially, I think sometimes we grow up in the church and we have certain ideas of God and the way that he sees us and the way that he interacts with us. And sometimes our ideas of God can re- they all they always impact how we make decisions. But let me tell you, if I'm afraid that God is like this cosmic trickster who has this like perfect plan, but he's really hiding it from me and he's not going to share it with me. And he has a mean look on his face and he's hiding his plan behind his back. And I have to act in a certain way as if I have to figure out what's what he's really thinking, then that's going to make me really afraid to make the next right move. And so naming the narrative of what's actually happening beneath the surface, whether that be our idea of God, or if it's like, you know what, I'm just scared or I had a bad experience in school in the past, and so I'm really hesitant to go back. Or, you know, a certain job that you want to take, naming the things that are happening beneath the surface can really begin to uncover some of those fears and anxieties and things that keep us from moving forward. I hope that makes sense. Oh, well, I I think it's so powerful. And it's one of the things we've been doing on the podcast is kind of looking under the hood at what makes us tick, not just these practical steps you take, because at the end of the day, our, our actions are largely driven by an internal, you know, happening that is probably from even when we grew up, you know, and I yeah. think when I, when I've watched specifically one friend that I've known all my life and her wrestling with decision, there is a reason. And, and if you look back at her past, when she made the wrong decision, she was really punished for that. That can put in us a lot of fear and make us unable to move. And, and I, I believe what you're saying is so right that there are narratives playing into these simple things and, and how that plays out in a day-to-day basis. It's not just who should I marry or should I marry this person? It (laughs) turns into, you know, gosh, should I sign up my child for this thing or this thing? I mean, you really can bleed even these, you know, these big narratives can start to work their way into the smallest things in our lives. And one of the things I love about you, Emily, is you always go to the core. And when I was discussing your book with my good friend, she was just saying, you know, I thought this was going to be a book about decisions, but this is an upheaval of like my spiritual life. <laughs> and, and in the best way, because I think it does always go back to these deeper messages and these, these deeper happenings that are going on in our soul. It's so true, Jenny. And I I think that there, it's such a way that God gets our attention. I mean, if we didn't ever have one decision to make, I wonder if we would, we would ever really 
look to him because I think decision-making is such a sacred ground for our spiritual formation. And so when I have a question mark that I'm carrying around, that makes me so much more open and available to what God might have to say, not just about the decision, but about me, about my life, about who I'm becoming. I think that's the thing we often focus on, the decision itself. But what's happening beneath the surface is often the richer, deeper ground of of that of that spiritual work. And and that can't be ignored. But I'm so glad you mentioned the the daily stuff because Listen, whether or not to volunteer on the PTA, you know, to to sell concessions at the football game, even though we act like, oh, we make those decisions in a, in a vacuum. And that's just like, do I want to or not? Listen, there are so many narratives that happen, like, well, good moms would definitely do that. And there, I mean, there are things that we are telling ourselves on the inside that impact our deci- daily decisions all the time. But if we don't take a moment and name those things, then we'll just kind of be reacting our way through life rather than moving with some intention. Mm, That's good. Okay. Number three. Number three. And this one is for some of us a bigger problem than others, but here I'm going to say it. Stop collecting gurus. I checked my inbox a couple of springs ago and I realized that like sometimes email already makes me a little bit anxious, you know, like somebody else do this for me. But I realized as I was going through my email inbox, I realized that, oh my gosh, I have collected so many, like a teacher for this online course and another little, little free quiz I took on how to dress for my own style and another thing to tell me how to be productive and like, oh, this is Marie Kondo. This is going to be, there were so many little, and I can say gurus or you can say teachers or mentors or whatever. I had collected them like candy in my inbox. And I realized that though that seems innocent. I realized actually what was happening was I was feeling really uncertain during this time of my life about some vocational direction, some choices I was trying to make. And so in those areas where I was uncertain, I didn't want to face that. So I started looking to people who were really certain in a few things, even if it was something as silly as like, should I wear an A-line skirt for my body type or should I wear something shaped differently? And these were the things that were, I mean, I think we've all kind of probably gone into that, like, oh, I don't really want to work on this deadline. I'm going to take this BuzzFeed quiz. And that's kind of where I found myself. And so it was evidence in my inbox, my email inbox, but that was just a picture of something larger going on, which was I was collecting gurus in areas that were less important in order to, in some ways, avoid those areas that were more important to me that were going to actually help me move forward in decision-making. I think there is something really powerful to be said about seeking advice and um, when we have a decision to make. But I think the bigger question is, who am I seeking that advice from? Am I trying to collect, collect gurus from like, oh, well, you know this about this book of the Bible, and maybe this person knows this about productivity, or am I really finding people in my life who know me well, who have proven that I can trust their wisdom um, and seeking them out as a co-listener, but not as a collection of gurus. Well, I love that advice. And I noticed a few years into ministry that I was very paralyzed by people's opinions and something was going to have to give. And Zach and I really are intentional almost yearly to sit down and say, okay, who's our five voices? They get to have a say but the whole world doesn't get to have a say. And that has helped so much streamline decisions because so many opinions are based on, you know, a million factors and not necessarily your obedience to God or your right path. And so the people that get a say are the people that see the in and outs of our lives that, that actually know 
the rhythms of our family and how our kids are doing. They get a say because they have the big picture and they're constantly hearing us share about our marriage and about our heart and about how we're doing spiritually and what our you know, commitment is to the Lord as far as our finances. So they're hearing all of these storylines. So they're able to help us make better decisions. And I think before I was, I really felt like it was very noisy. And and now it's interesting because I sat down with a woman recently who had a very strong opinion about something I was doing with my children, you know, because everyone does <laughs> our lives on Instagram. Right. <laughs> so they, she had a really strong opinion. And I was like, you know what? And I was able to say, you know what? I receive what you're saying, but I, I want you to know that we've prayed about that. And this is the wisdom that we got from our community that sees our day in and day out life. And it's very different from what you're saying, but I want you to know we have thought about it and we're at, you know, I receive what you're saying. And, and it was cool to just, and she was, she was okay with that. She just wanted to know that I'd thought about it and prayed about it and talked to wise counsel about it. But I do think we can start, you know, I think former years, I would have been paralyzed by that for days, you know, yeah. I would have said that opinion and I would have walked away and I would have started questioning everything and I would have had to, you know, get over just pride issues and all that. But instead it just, it had its place. I was able to look her in the eye and appreciate her because I know it was from a thoughtful place. I know she wasn't trying to be judgmental or mean, but I was able to, to have peace from someone's disapproval of me, I was able to walk away and kind of stay steady. So I love you saying that. And I think sometimes those voices can come from lots of places in our lives. Yeah. And I think we sometimes seek them out and don't even realize that we're doing that. But I love that you have your five voices. And to just to point out there, you pick those people and they probably know they're on your list. Yeah. And sometimes I think we make the mistake of like not taking that final set. Like we go 90% of the way of knowing there's people in our lives we can trust, but we forget the last 10%, which is telling them that. And then so that they're aware of it and we can have real intentional conversations. I think that's so important. Okay. So number four, Okay, all you list makers. Now I know that the pro con list is the one that probably comes to mind when we think about making decisions. And while there can be some merit in a pro con list, I think what it gives in sort of organizing your thoughts, but it lacks some of the nuance that comes with some of our decisions. Because let's face it, you could have one thing on the pro list and a whole bunch of cons. But if the cons are things like if if the one thing on the pro list is your family or your health, like you have to go with that, even though the con list it says, you know, not this, not this, not this, but so I, there's just things way differently in a pro con list. And so I think a better list, one that I would encourage people to make is what I call the, the most important list, which is a life energy list. And that's a list that has two columns. That is basically you look at your life, you look at, let's say you're trying to make a decision about whether or not to take a job, or like I said before, volunteering at school. And sometimes these little decisions can really trip us up because there might not be like one perfect way or there's it's not like you're deciding between a bad thing and a good thing you might just be deciding between two good things and that can be hard and so a life energy list looking at what is life giving and what is life draining in my life right now and that list might look different now than it did 10 years ago it might look different now than next week but i think the important thing is to really look at the things that are life-giving and the things that are life-draining and be really honest about them 
And that can really help inform future decisions, family commitments, things that you want to prioritize or not prioritize. And and the, the idea, again, just to say this, is not to get rid of everything on the life draining list and to only do things that are life-giving. That's not possible. But there are decisions in our life, I think, that we sometimes we just continue to do things in our daily life because that's what we've always done, failing to recognize, you know what, this might be an area where I have a choice. And maybe there's a giftedness that I have to offer that I'm missing out on and and that my community is missing out on because I keep saying yes to this other thing. And that's really life draining for me. So just being aware of that and making that life-giving list for me has been a really important uh, and transformational practice to help me make better daily decisions, but also, you know, some of those bigger decisions as well. I am going to go do that today. <laughs> I'm going to grab an hour and do that because I, I think that's so true. I, I've told everybody that I started taking walks at night because I found that after dinner was a really low time for me in my day. And I think part of it is I just sent a son to college and I just, I started taking a walk and it has been so mm-hmm. life-giving. It's such a simple change, but I think I had to, I had to be self-aware and stand back from my life a little and go, what's not working about this? And, and it made a really simple shift that I think has changed my view of my day that I don't feel this dread about that time of day. It's such it's as simple as a walk, but look at how what a difference it makes. And that should be your first thing on your life giving list. And it it really does you forget that little things like that and the walk might just be 20 minutes, 15 minutes yeah. or less, but that those things can really turn things around. And it really is sort of like a practical right now way of doing what really is an ancient practice of the daily exam and of kind of looking over your day and saying, Where did I see God today? That's another kind of way of saying it is what was life giving? Where did I where could I meet God? God? And then what other things are maybe drawing me away from God or are more life draining? I think that's, that could be another way to look at it. Okay. Number five, number five, you're going to see this one coming from a mile away. It's simply do the next right thing. When it comes to decisions, let me tell you a lot of times we, it's not so much because we don't know what to do next. A lot of times it's because there are so many options of what you could do next. And the question is, how do I choose? And Everything we do every day, I mean, they say they say that adults make over 35,000 decisions every single day. And if that's true, and I think it is because every place I've looked, that's the number that keeps coming up between 30 and 35,000. You can imagine that some of those decisions tend to keep us awake at night. A lot of them are second nature, but a lot of them are not. And so bringing this idea of, you know, what decision to make and what should I do next, even if it's small if it's big either way, there's something really freeing about doing the next right thing, only the thing in front of me. And I want to emphasize maybe not so much focusing on that word right, but just on that word next, that our friend Jesus walks with us into the next ordinary moment. And that's whether or not the next moment is just kind of making dinner or if it's making a big decision about work. He's always with us. He always goes ahead of us. And we can trust him as we do our next right thing in love. I love this so much, Emily. And this is why I had you on was because it is so simple, but the implications of not living this way can be so paralyzing. Yeah. And I believe what you're saying is exactly right. And it's how, you know, people always ask me like, how did you start if gathering? And I'm like, I don't remember because it wasn't (laughs) a moment that if gathering started, it was, it was a series of conversations. It was a series of obedient steps. None of them screamed, this is going to be a, you know, big deal. It was all very simple acts of obedience. And I have seen God 
use the small next right thing so much in my own life. And I really believe you are, you're nailing it of this is what he asks from us. He doesn't ask us to change the world. He doesn't ask us to, you know, do something big. He asks us to obey in the day to day and he will do something big with that. Even if we don't always see it. Amen. I love it. So well said. Okay. Here's my last question. I know that you love Jesus and you love your Bible. Let's talk for a minute, biblically, what you learned as you went through this process, because I know writing a book is not as simple as laying out an outline and hammering it out. This is usually <laughs> wrestling of, you know, with God as to what it looks like to do this in a biblical way. So, so what did you learn about God and what did you see as you studied scriptures about this? Let me tell you, my favorite thing is reading in the gospels and just watching Jesus, just paying mm-hmm. attention to Jesus, not just, you know, what he said, but what he didn't say not just what he did, but what he didn't do. And what I saw as I watched, as I read and listened and you know, watched him interact in these different narratives of story with people is that he often told people what to do next, but he rarely told people what to do five years from now. And right. that was really powerful to me. Like when he healed Jairus, the, the, um, the religious official's daughter, when she she died and he went to the house and he raised her from the dead. And you would think in that moment that the God of the universe incarnated in the person of Jesus Christ would, he had everybody in that room, including the girl and her parents, he had all of their attention. He could have told them anything and they would have done it. But what he did was once she she rose from the dead and he had everyone's attention and he said to her parents, now give her something to eat. Mm-hmm. And for me as a parent, that was really powerful because I think, wow, he told her parents to make her lunch and that that was the most important thing in that moment for this child who had died, who was brought back to life. And that was really telling for me that there is power and there's something really sacred about the liturgy of our ordinary life and that that's how Jesus lived, that he woke up and he depended on the life of his father as he walked along the way and that people who seemed to us to be an interruption it was it was just a part of living life with people it wasn't like there was this there wasn't a grand plan as far as his daily walk there was a big picture plan as far as saving the world but the way it happened i think was a lot more fluid than maybe we give that period of history credit for but i think mm-hmm. jesus responded to his father in the moment he gave up his right to kind of make that plan for what was going to happen he he followed and listened and responded and and I, I really love that. And that was really endearing to me about, about Jesus as I worked on this book. Doesn't that make you feel like, gosh, we've got, we've made an idol out of strategy and yeah. <laughs> made an idol out of like, this is how you make the next big thing happen. And, and I'm like, that's just, it'd be great if everything worked that way. But I think as people that follow Jesus, he walks in a very different way. And again, it's not that we never strategize or never sure. make plans, but we always as a team will, you know, plan out our year and we also always begin by saying, you know what, we're going to stay really open-handed about this. And yeah. this is where we think God's calling us to go next. But let's just continue to remember that he might about face. And he usually does in some way just to keep us on our toes and <laughs> to, to remind us like uh, that we are dependent and that we can't do this without him. But it is a scarier way to live. And, I, I, and yet I think it's a more peaceful way to live. I think it is. I think it's the invitation to all of us is to is to walk with him and trust that, you know what, he is my shepherd and I do have everything I need so I can trust him. And that is, you're right, it's scary, but it's also it's also kind of a relief. Thanks, Emily, for being here today. Thanks for having me. Hey. 
Hey everyone, this is Chloe. I just wanted to hop on here and let you guys know that Emily has a book that you don't want to miss. It's called The Next Right Thing, and it's this really practical, helpful, step-by-step guide to how do I make the next decision and to get over decision paralysis. So go to Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, anywhere you can find books and you can look that up. And then don't miss Emily's podcast. You guys, Emily, number one, has the most amazing voice for a podcast. I love listening to her when I'm walking through the grocery store and out and about. You'll love it. You can search Emily Freeman or the Next Right Thing podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen. You can get more from her over there. We'll make sure to add all those links in the show notes. And then we will make sure to see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.